0: This next guest's enthusiasm fuels the fire of an authentic spirit that is found through the historic West Side Catholic Center. As most young men his age question life, Mike lives as if life questions him. From being inspired in high school to then surrounding himself with the grace of volunteers and daily challenges, providing folks second chances that have no hope. These people count on Mike and the WSCC as the people in the past counted on Dorothy Day at the Catholic Worker to feed people right in front of them, stay small, and share in the happiness and the suffering. We as a community are grateful for the WSCC and directors like Mike who are working in the shadows, who kindle hope. This is episode five. How do you
1: get started down this path? I had the opportunity to go on an immersion retreat to Ohio City, where we stayed at St. Pat's Church. It's my senior year of high school. We stayed there for three nights and went to a different place to learn about the social landscape and the diversity of Cleveland. And there's so many nonprofit agencies in Ohio City. It's incredible. I don't even know what the exact number is, but I think it's 70-something. One of the days, we volunteered at the Westside Catholic Center. And I just remember feeling so fulfilled in that place. It was like stars aligned, and it never... It never left me. It was really my first direct interaction with people who were living in impoverished circumstances and homelessness. And this is, you know, before we were kind of more educated about this population and it's traumatic being in that. Traumatic events occur for people in these situations on a daily basis. So I remember connecting just with people there. And there was a guy who actually still works at Westside Catholic Center. His name's Ken Davis. He's known as the dog man. Uh, he got the nickname dog man because like his friends were like stray dogs that he would like oh, wow. s- have sleeping cars with him and stuff. And slowly, little by little, people from the Westside Catholic Center started like drawing him in, drawing him in, drawing him in and really like worked him out of that situation where he began to trust people again. And he, he's worked there for, I think, 18 years now. I met Ken that day and I never forgot Ken in my early career when I was working at Lake Catholic High School in the capacity and role I'm at at Westside Catholic Center now in advancement, we had the opportunity to have Ken come out and speak to the students, let him tell his story because that's, that kind of hooked me. It was like, you know, there's hope, there's redemption, there's, there's so much more to people than what you see right in front of you, you know, and that story was just like very touching to me. And further beyond that, the volunteer coordinator at that time was a woman named Terry Garr, who was at the center for 26 years and just retired last year. And just the warmth and her rapport with all the people coming in was like so inspiring to me. I can't even remember the other two places that we volunteered at on that trip. What an eye-opening experience. What else influences you? The women in my family, I'd say traditionally have been like a major influence on me, particularly my mother. I take a lot of my personality from her, both the extroversion and the approach to people, the sense of social justice that she kind of created an example for for me um that's kind of where i'm coming from all the time like that's the conscious voice you know what i respect most about my mother is well both of my parents really is you know my dad my dad is a real self-made man he had no college education he was working at lincoln electric on the line at the time i was born had Me and my two siblings, 14 months apart. So by the time he was 25, both of them were 25. They had three children, one car. Mom hadn't gone to college yet either. She put herself... They put her through night school at Notre Dame College. She got a degree in English, and then she started teaching and then pivoted over to a religion teacher job at Lake Catholic because she wanted us to have that private value based education. So she took a pay cut from public school to transition there just prior to us being high school age because it was a wash financially with like the savings on tuition Uh, while there. She decided to pursue a master's degree in theology, and now she's working on a second master's degree in education. So I'm really impressed by her. Further with that, my dad not only worked in labor jobs, Had his own sense of vision, taught himself how to use AutoCAD, ended up getting an office job at Lincoln, ended up splitting off with a couple of guys starting his own company. He was working right over in Chagrin Falls on the square here, became his own one man show. Now he just works from the house and does 3D modeling and all this product development and cool stuff. And when I graduated from college, I tried, but like me and him working together was like the oil and water thing. (laughs) The relationship with him is great, but my mom particularly really had this sense of social justice and treating people of all walks of life a certain way. And like, you know, when you're young, you don't know that you might have less than other people. And they did a really good job of making sure that we wanted for nothing and never really knew if we were in financial dire straits, there was always food on the table. So you have brothers and sisters? I do. I'm the oldest of three. So also, I think a big shaping portion of my personality because I'm, I'm the referee oh, yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Uh, But mom, you know, especially when she moved over into theology, started creating these other ministries within the school. I was telling Kirk before, my favorite one um, was called Meal Ministry. And it was the first Tuesday of every month. We'd get a group of students together and we'd make 150 uh, brown bag lunches and sandwiches for St. Malachy where Kirk does some helping out. And then we do one hot meal for Project Hope, which is the shelter in Lake County. So you're doing all that. You get out of school. So I graduated college and I'm, you know, trying to figure out like how this all works now too, you know, so did some odd jobs. Like I was an assistant preschool teacher over here in Chagrin Falls for a year. Then I did some inside sales for like a manufacturing company and I started bartending at night, fall into a job at my old high school doing development slash advancement. And I was just an assistant and some guy, a guy gave me an opportunity and I just ate it up. It was like putting together the quarterly magazine publication. School, Yeah. It's at Lake Catholic. So the high school I went to, ironically, some bartender at night learning more about wine. I got more free time during the day, so I'm really just absorbing this and getting into it. And uh, working at the school, I worked my way up to become a director. So I kind of found where I belong, and I liked the work, and I liked the diversity, and I liked the autonomy. I didn't like working for such a large bureaucracy as the Diocese of Cleveland. really what. So you were a director at the Diocese of Cleveland? I was a director at Lake Catholic, which is owned by the Diocese of Cleveland. So my boss had bosses who had bosses, you know? So all that trickle down puts in a box a little bit. That goes all the way to Pope right but, yeah. You know, yeah basically i had a direct pipeline <laughs> i wish Speed i like the new one i like the guy i like okay, francis so. he's he's he seems like a charming guy yeah. so i i did that i i was in that position for about five years and i got i guess got really burnt out on the bureaucracy and at that point in time i was still bartending at night even though i had like a good title and the manager then at the wine bar was like i gotta get out of this this is i'm like burnt out would you ever consider taking it over so i met with the guys who owned it you know, kind of under the auspice that I want to change this. I like doing this here, but like I need to have a future path. So like, what's the opportunity for buy-in? You know, it's hard on a marriage. It's long hours. There's always some like bad situation, you know, hilarious first date stories from there too, because you could always tell like, this isn't going to work for you, dude. One guy comes in, he's like, oh, I'm so nervous. I got this blind date. And I'm like, if you're this nervous, you're going to blow this man. <laughs> you got to calm down. And he's like, I'm just going to get a pizza and eat. So he eats a whole pizza by himself before his date arrives. And then she's like, Oh, are you hungry? Should we get some food or anything? He's like, no, it's okay. I just ate. I'm like, she leaves. And he's like, do you think that went well? I'm like, no, no, that was uncomfortable for everybody. I find joy in anything I'm doing, even if I'm not overtly happy in the bigger scheme, but at the same point in time, he gave me some perspective to really evaluate what I want to do. So on one glorious day in 2017, in November, i um, at the bar, burnt out, waiting on deliveries. People are late. Deliveries are missing things. Just frustrating beginning to the day. And I'm uh, flipping through Facebook and I see a job posting for director of advancement at the Westside Catholic Center. And I like I got my heart fluttered. It was this. Disa- if you
0: remember when you were 18? Yeah, it was
1: like a le- it was like I got hit by lightning. I called my mom immediately. I'm like, mom, get yeah, like, yeah, check this out. She goes, well, you have to. You're going for it. Right. I'm like, yes, I am. So I call my wife. I'm like, I'm going to apply for this. I'm going all in on this. I'm like, this is meant to be. It just feels like it's going to happen. I don't know why. I know I'm out of the game for a couple of years and I have this gap in my resume now. But I I, want to get back into that work at that place. So I got first interview with our current executive director and the former executive director. Um, And I was one of about 78 candidates that applied for the job and me being young and having this gap in my resume, I just told him exactly how it is. I told him why I left. I told him everything I'm telling you today, you know, and it worked out. And I think that was another great lesson that, you know, things, things will come together. If you're, your authentic self, you know, you'll find your way to the right place where you belong. So I've been there for a year and a half now and, I am excited to go to work every single day. What your wife and mom and dad think of all this? Oh, my, 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 they were stoked. My wife, you're going to have weekends and we can like hang out in the evening. And my mom, my mom was over the moon because she just knew, I think she saw more than anybody else. It's that mother's intuition that, you know, this was, my soul was slowing, slowly being sucked out, you know, doing this line of work and burning myself out and not doing it for a higher purpose.
0: Looking back across time, do you think the needs are a little bit different?
1: I think the difference is that we have started approaching the problem differently. And those of us, especially in the industry, um, you know, you you can kind of see with the opioid epidemic now and mental health issues that, you know, the stigma is changing, you know, because the opioid crisis is touching every every piece of society. You know, rich, poor everybody. Um, so now people are saying like, you know, we don't, we shouldn't be approaching this as a crime. We should be approaching this as an illness. Um, same thing with mental health. You know, people aren't as stigmatized for saying, yeah, I have bipolar disorder or I suffer from depression. It's not as shameful of a thing because we're trying to erase that. And with the population we serve with the poor and the homeless, a lot of them are there because of past trauma, intergenerational poverty, addiction, disease, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we're taking a more concerted approach. And I think even private funders and foundations are trying to educate themselves more. I'm starting to see a culture where people want to come on site to visit and see to believe, not just read a proposal, throw money at you, pat themselves on the back and be like, we're doing God's work here. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, there's a concerted collective effort to, to try and fix things. I think a great example of that that's occurring in Cleveland right now There's a website that popped up at the beginning of June called ParadoxPrize.com, and it's a group of funders who collectively pulled together a million bucks for the best idea to solve transportation problems in Cleveland because those transportation problems are a significant barrier to people getting back to work. Our unemployment rate is higher or the second highest in the country right now of major cities behind Detroit, Um, so we're... We're above the national median, even though the economy is doing well. There's plenty of jobs, but there's not a lot, plenty of jobs in the city where people can access transportation to get there. But we can't get them out to Solon because the bus lines don't drive all the way out here from the city, even though, you know, Nestle will hire 15 people tomorrow because they have, you know, entry level jobs that pay decent wages. Uh, but getting people to that first paycheck is a huge challenge that we see. So I think there has been an increase in workforce development focus, too, and um, formerly incarcerated, um, is, is certainly another main area of focus in Cleveland. Yeah, can you
0: build on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. What you guys are doing and, and the, you know, the, the other folks in Cleveland?
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, we, we at the Westside Catholic Center are very unique in the fact that I, I like to call us a full-service agency in regards to we start with basic needs and go to shelter and housing. And then this last piece of our mission is a path to self-sufficiency. And for that, for us, that means, you know, permanent stable housing options. It means workforce training and job placements and a livable wage job or at least a path or a couple of pavers in the path to get you to that place where you're making at least 15 bucks an hour. There's manufacturing,
0: food service. This program seems pretty good.
1: Yeah. So we're augmenting that program now because with the opening of the Ohio City Pizzeria, which is our social enterprise that we're doing in partnership with Edwin's Restaurant and Leadership Institute. It, it affords us this new training track that we can focus on so formerly our workforce development has been a 4 week program every month where folks come in and the first 2 weeks is really soft skill development you know because we're we're dealing with chronically underemployed never employed intergenerational poverty type situations where nobody's ever even thought about working because They were just trained not to take that leap Um, because, you know, if mom can get by this way by taking all these entitlements, like why would why am I going to teach you to do that? You can take the free money and figure out something else or cobble together some cash jobs or something.
0: And you encourage them to go through the program or did they just voluntarily show up?
1: It's both. I mean, it's it's kind of it's it's a backwards philosophy. That's the only program that we actually have to recruit a little bit. And part of that recruitment is just the changing of that mindset from well, I'm no I'm good. I I how hard is that to change the
0: mindset?
1: It's very difficult. It's very difficult. We're trying to overcome that and say, no, there's resources, there's support. We are here to help address you as the whole person, all the wraparound support. So while you're coming here, get, get a free lunch too. You know, save your save your dollars. You know, we we'll feed you for free. We'll help you with these supports. We have these relationships with these employers. Um, We'll try and connect you to all these services. But transportation still remains a very, very tough barrier to overcome for us.
0: So you get um, these folks that come through these few weeks and then they start to say, hey, I I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that's where you were able to introduce them into the new pizzeria or.
1: Right. So. The, the four-week program, first two weeks, is really individualized attention and soft skill development because, you know, with the trauma piece and this trauma-informed environment that we we work within, you know, we're trying to address, like, what have been your barriers to employment? Has it been because you don't want to work or is it because it's just not working out? And
0: you're doing this one-on-one with people?
1: or it's, it's a classroom-type setting, but there's a lot of individualized attention because, you know, people's trauma from the past varies on an individualized basis. So somebody who moved here because they had an employment opportunity in, say, like one of the steel companies, but their workforce got cut in half and they have really they don't know what else they can do to kind of get back to that same level of financial stability because they have no other skill set. They've always just worked on the line and did piecework and just worked worked really well. Um, In other cases, it's somebody who's like, I just think I just think I want a job, but we have to teach them like very soft skills, such as shaking hands, looking people in the eye, how to respond to criticism, you know, because it's going to you're some you're going to be corrected in your job by a supervisor. This is what you don't do. Those kinds of things. The second two weeks is more financial literacy and learning how to job search and resume writing and interviewing practice. And then week four is like for those who are ready. All right let's start throwing some applications in and um, our program director and we have two full-time staff that run that program with a group of other volunteers. So they are really, really spread pretty thin, but they, they pay so much individualized attention that Frank, the program manager will like drive these people to an interview and stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, just obviously just creating more work on his plate, but
0: Frank seems like a cool dude.
1: (laughs) He's, he's, he is a rare man. I love that guy. his, His personality is the only thing bigger than his body. Nice. (laughs) And, like, he's a big dude, too. Like, he fills a door.
0: So how is the pizzeria going? You guys have uh, just been open for a little bit.
1: Yeah, so we opened on July 19th. um, So we're less at at the point of this taping. We're less than a month in. Uh, So the way that we're kind of, like, looking at it, and I have the great privilege of having been so... Involved in this project, um, you know, we we reopened this existing business that had been closed for one year, but had been there since 1982. So the neighborhood knows it. The neighborhood's kind of bought into us being there. Um, we realized that there's gaps in our knowledge, such as the actual menu development part of it and the cooking. So that's when we called Brandon Kristowski, who's uh, the founder and. CEO of Edwin's Leadership Institute, which is a culinary training program for formerly incarcerated individuals, six months. And I mean, the guys everywhere, if anybody hasn't heard about him, like you're not looking, you're not listening, you know, because they have the restaurant on Shaker Square. They opened a butcher shop not long ago and they just announced they're going to open a bakery next. And so he's employing all of his own people through that. So in the partnership with us, he helped develop the training curriculum, you know, for our staff and the staff we're very proud um, it wasn't totally by design but all of our employees are second-chance employment opportunities so half of them went through the Edwin's program half of them went through ours oh, good. you know so with that we're seeing like okay we have this direct pipeline to work and turnover at this place is not a bad word as long as it's turning over upward mm-hmm. we're right by West 25th Street so if they can get to us we know they can get to these other jobs so if crop has a line cook available and you're they're paying two more dollars an hour Congratulations! Wow. Come back and say hi to us anytime you want. You got to take it. You know, we'll take we'll take a new employee. And we'll train somebody else new. So it's been a really unique partnership there. Like I said, it's been open in less than thirty days. So we're taking the July numbers and kind of like throwing them out the window because you know, a big opening weekend. Did some soft openings. Gave some stuff away for free. So starting August first, where me, my CFO, our executive director, and I have this working spreadsheet where every day it's updated with like wages and labor rates and daily sales and watching it like a hawk and I'm on Yelp and Google more than I ever wanted to be <laughs> and having former bar management experience I know better I know better but I just wanted to see like what you know cuz I guess you get a 2 star review from somebody who you're never going to make happy you know, because pizza's very polarizing too no two people like the exact same pizza the exact same way that's one program yeah. and when I went down and and
0: saw what you guys are doing The logistics of what you're doing is incredible. Thank you. I I am very impressed with the amount of programs that you have, the amount of hope I think you give in different aspects of people's lives, Mm -hmm. as well as ensuring that the integrity of the name that you guys represent, it's been, you know, a good solid generation, I believe. Yeah. Um, You know, tell me a little bit about there's there's. Two people that you really serve, or three, I guess, where you have the clients, the folks that really need the help. Yeah. Then you have the people that want to volunteer their time. Right. And then you have the donors. Yep. So you essentially have three audiences. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And there's a different layer that you explained to me a little bit when I was down there is you want to ensure that the footprint of where you are in, in Ohio City has a high-quality footprint, you ensured that the windows had the clothes out like it was a retail store. Right. And that attention to detail, I think, is what you as the director also— you're seeing these folks come in at the darkest points. You're hearing the donors. You're hearing about the pizza. You're, But you're kind of having to orchestrate all of this with four different lenses, right?
1: It's a lot of dancing, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is. It's great. I mean— You know, we've been in Ohio City for 42 years. Um, We have a great relationship with a lot of the neighborhood. Like I said, Ohio City is a very, very unique part of Cleveland because it is gentrified and continually gentrifying. Um, You're getting more young people who are moving in because 25th is a hot spot. But, you know, right two blocks over. You got, you know, the least amongst us hanging out all day because there's support services for them. You know, and me and Kirk, before we started taping, we're talking about some of the other agencies there that do great work. The Stella Maris, St. Malachy, May Dugan, Providence House, um, Refugee Response. There are so many nonprofits that it's part of the culture and the fabric of that neighborhood. And it's our part to kind of draw the line in the sand and say, guys, we're we're not here to cause problems, but we're also not going anywhere because as long as there's a need, um, we'll be here. You know, the, the goal, the ironic goal of my work is that I'm trying to put myself out of business, you know, and unfortunately, I don't see that happening in my lifetime. But that would be a glorious day for sure if there was no longer a need for our services. Um, but with all these different like stakeholders uh, there, there's so much to consider all the time. So when we renovated the space, when I was showing you, we just finished a capital campaign it right, right before I started it was mid construction. Uh, the, the first building they had ever bought was a former bar and bowling alley, and they were doing clothing distribution and food service and all that kind of stuff just with the space as it was. It wasn't designed to have efficient services that we provide. So we had this great opportunity and also a great opportunity to show the neighborhood that, like, you know, we're not here to be disruptors of the neighborhood, We're here to solve a need within the city. Um, So we moved our clothing program from the back to the front to make it more of like a retail looking place. It looks like a TJ Maxx from the window. You know, everything is like sized and sorted and clean and it's it's very dignified. And I'm so proud of that about what we do. And then on the flip side to kind of show our goodwill to the neighborhood, we moved the food service to the back in the day shelter because most of the folks, you know, they come in at nine. There's, that's when breakfast is served Monday through Friday. And it's open to all to, you know, just kind of hang out through lunch at one. And then you're allowed to stay till three if you sign up for programming that afternoon. But with that, you know, you got guys who are, you know, drug users and have mental illnesses. So it's, it can be a rough environment for sure. And you got folks hanging out on the sidewalk. So when it was on Lorraine, it was a lot more visible. And you got, you know, these parents nice. dropping their kid off and, The great thing is St. Ignatius is such a good partner with us, too, because they send boys over to volunteer. They are big supporters of us in the neighborhood. They financially support a lot of our events and all those kinds of things. You know, they're 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 buying up a huge piece of the neighborhood. And some people see that as threatening. But from my lens, I think it's another sign of support. Like, yeah, you got a giant footprint and this is like primetime property, but. If you're teaching these young men to be socially responsible people and providing this really high quality education right across you're the street, really, you're really giving education beyond what a book can teach you, you know. And, you know, I, I always told people I never wanted to let school get in the way of my education. And I think it's a good statement to make to young boys like that, too, because there's a lot of pressure, you know, with the current education system too, to get grades, work within this box, you know, but. Expanding beyond that is really what creates the next generation of good leadership. So within all these constituencies, you know, we moved all this stuff around. It helps us deliver services a little more efficiently. It gave more space for our volunteers to cook in a kitchen. It allowed us to store more things, so we can provide more quality nutrition. Um, I think we're we might be the only nonprofit agency like us that employs a nutrition coordinator, so somebody who's degreed in nutrition who does all of our meal planning. And it is our minimum quota that eighty percent of all the meals that we serve are going to have a fresh produce ingredient in it, because we want. To treat food as medicine for people who don't have access to adequate health care. So we do all those things. And she's really cool. She started a health and wellness club where she's teaching people how to shop on a budget. They prepare a healthy meal together, like a small group, does some like light exercises, whether that's chair yoga, just stuff to like to kind of address the whole person like I'm going to keep referring back to that, too, because for us, it's not it's not about the bandage. You know, if you if you just need a meal to get you through today, that's cool. Like we're here for that. But we really want to we want to reel you in. We want you to be one of our people. We want to help you in as many aspects as we are capable of doing. And we have five major programs that provide about 70 services throughout that agency to do so. And 50 of them are kind of in the basic needs category. And that's something as small as listing somebody as our mailing address so that they can collect benefit checks or, uh, you know, there's there's another barrier that I think is lost on a lot of people. If you don't have an address, you can't get an ID or a birth certificate. And if you don't have a birth certificate, an ID, you can't get an address. So this is big. There's this big cyclical thing. And there's a small agency that we play the fiscal agent for called the ID ID crisis collaborative, who has 31 sites around Cleveland who help people obtain birth certificates and IDs. We close that gap further by doing the mailbox listing thing. So
0: and that helps with getting jobs. That helps with that. Yeah. yeah. So all,
1: any and all things. So at any given point in time, we probably have like 30, 40 people listening to us as their mailing address. And...
0: So the the one thing that I wanted to, like you talk about the whole person and addressing the whole person as, mm-hmm. the, as the the client, I think, how, how you're referring. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the whole person as the volunteer. I think there is something to be said about the benefits the volunteer gets out there's a fine line between like, hey, look at me, I'm volunteering mm-hmm. to genuine. It's life changing for them. Our,
1: you know? our volunteers are a miracle, man. I mean, we've had um, I think I think our longest running volunteer group, they come every Wednesday. We call them the Golden Girls. Thirty five years. Wow. They do. They do Wednesday lunch every day. Thirty five years. And they're awesome. They're just awesome people because they are just etched in the fabric of that culture. They know so many clients on a. On a first name basis, you know, they recognize so many faces, the clients treat them with it's amazing to see the synergy between our volunteers, our staff, our clients, um, because of the you can the values resonate through people, but we exist and are able to operate because we have. On average, about 250 month like regularly scheduled volunteers in any given month, whether that's people in the sorting room or the shopping program, or the people who come in every Monday to help set up for our produce distribution to, you know, the Monday breakfast group, the Monday lunch group, the Tuesday breakfast group, etc. We, we, we have a lot of people we're touching. We have an associate board that's a young professional group that's 50 members strong. Our board of directors is like 29. You know, if you factor them in, that probably puts us over 300 some volunteers who are touching us monthly. Um, and what you hear a lot that I find so inspiring about the place is that a lot of volunteers say, I get more out of this than our clients do. Because, you know, they, they know that they're helping to solve a problem. They know that they are They are really exuding hope to others. So in addressing that whole person, it's not just about the food and the shelter. It's the social aspect, too. You know, when I said we allow people to stay from one to three to sign up for programming, it's not like intensive programming or mental health. It's movie club. It's chess club. It's bingo. It's just interacting with other people to make sure that we're not allowing people to be isolated socially, because with that, there's no accountability to others. And we lose track of people and our program director is so big and so good at this. I mean, she she knows if if she hasn't seen somebody for a couple of days, she's on the phone. She's looking for people, you know, especially if it's a regular face, you know, and I if she can't get a hold of them, she's calling around, she's. Asking people who work at this other uh, organization we partner with called Care Alliance, who are the real in the trenches, like I'm going into the tent camp kind of people, Mm -hmm. you know, to keep their eye out for so and so and this guy and this is what he looks like. And like, oh, yeah, I know him, you know. So there's this network of people who are really, like I said, trying to solve a problem. They're trying to really reach out to people, let people know that they're worthy, that they belong. There's a place for them. And, you know, given their circumstances, it doesn't make them any lesser than, you know, and I think our volunteers particularly exude that as a quality.
0: Even as a volunteer, it's life changing. How do you get the word out? Do you do you go speak places? Well, it's
1: interesting you say it. So I told you my mom's the assistant principal at Beaumont. So if she's like, hey. Uh, we do this sophomore service day fair kind of thing. Would you come in and be a guest speaker for an hour? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So out of that, I think we got like five girls who came in for their, like, they had to do 27 hours of service that's like direct client oriented service before they start their senior year. And we had like four or five of them that chose to do it with us all summer long. So I think that, you know, the the message is getting out there. I I, I have a lot of hope for the future generations too. And yeah. I, I love a lot of what, the, the mentality of the world is in the acceptance of different groups of people in a, a more concerted effort to understand people instead of putting them in a little box like, oh, that's a homeless guy. Like, what does that mean? Do you know what a homeless guy looks like? Like, you know, one of my big things, because my role involves marketing the organization, I hate the the, you know, downtrodden looking man with the handout for kind of marketing images like that's garbage that is not that is not echoing any dignity for people that is not telling the story of what we do here you know it's not about the handout it's about the person mm-hmm. you know what i mean people go through rough times in their life one thing to backtrack and this is like part of why i think i'm like this too is when i was in 7th grade my family's home burned down and fortunately i come from a large family so we you know we were fine like we didn't have to sleep in a hotel for a night we stayed at grandma's but you know i had no clothes for a couple of days. I hadn't, we didn't have, you know, but this community of people just shows up and there's bags of clothes, like, you know, come to my grandma's like, Hey, I think this will fit Michael. I think this will fit Jillian. I think this will fit Jimmy, you know, and it was enough to get over the hump. And that's how I see what we do because we're getting a little more sophisticated in our data and stuff too. And we had our first full year of using this new awesome system where we can track things like, you know, digitize it. Um, and what we found is we served 7,516 people in 2018 of those 7,000 were in that one building that I showed you where we do clothing and basic needs stuff. And of that about 2000 were people who came for clothing only. So it's people who just need to span this gap mostly, you know? And so I was homeless for a couple of days, you know, you you can call it what it is, but that it's in the spectrum of homelessness. So I don't think I look like a homeless guy. Maybe the beard gives it a little bit, but you know, that's again, just a general stereotype. Um, Yeah. So there, there, Putting a face to it, I think, doesn't really advance our solutions. You know, I think all it's doing is putting people in a box and then pigeonholing people. And
0: And I'm completely naive about this, but somebody shows up at your door. Mm -hmm. They have seen the gates of hell in their own life. Most likely, yes. And you have to wake up in the morning knowing you're going to find or see something That is not as uplifting as most people with jobs like, you know, standard nine to five jobs. But you personally and and your volunteers on a regular basis see how people's there is no hope in their eyes anymore. Right. I mean, how do you as a as the director, how do you um, absorb that? ensure that they know you're listening to them and you see them as a whole person right you don't see them as hey you're an obstacle my way because I got to go to a fundraising meeting like you have that ability to communicate that you are there to listen Mm -hmm. and you are there to provide them hope and then they build a trust and I mean what is that like like what is that challenge
1: like I think I think that's um, I've heard people refer to that as a ministry of presence. And I, uh, I, I I've told my wife this when we like really early on started dating. I go, one of the things I've internalized that I've learned is that the person right in front of you is the most important person in the world at that moment. You know, if I'm five minutes late for a fundraising meeting, I, I'm not apologetic about it anymore, you know, because people matter and the whole reason of my work is to help support people in this position right now and i'm just coming at you to ask you to help me do that i'm giving you the opportunity to say no but i'm asking for your help you know in whatever capacity you can we, we'd sell hope if anything and nothing else but I, i'd rather say i'm inviting people to be a part of a solution rather than saying i'm trying to get money from you because yeah of course we need money but i don't i don't want one big check that's a one-off. I want you to be with us. I want you on the team. I want you to be one of the 4,000 who support us, whether that's a volunteer or if you've just got stuff that you want to get rid of, like that's nice stuff, you know, don't trash it. Don't take it to the thrift store because they're just, I mean, thrift stores are nice and all because they support a good mission, but you're still selling stuff. And most of the stuff being sold is to like jerks like me who have need a Halloween costume Mm -hmm. or something, you know, every occasionally I'll go thrifting just to find some nice gems of clothing and things like that. But all of our services are free of charge. And the more, I've been here, the more calls I get, especially if somebody has a spouse who passed away and they have all these clothes they want to get rid of, they want to give it to us. They don't want to give it to a thrift store because they can't bear the thought that like some punk kid's going to buy a man's wife, deceased wife's gown because he's going to dress as an old lady for Halloween. Like They want to know that it's going to people who truly need stuff. And I'm, I'm really proud to say that we are pretty good at ensuring that.
0: Introducing the needy part of the community to people that goes way beyond gift giving that
1: helps everybody. It does. And I think it's an implication of something bigger too. And what it says about us as a city and like a community of Cleveland, because people who want to be a part of the solution obviously care about people, but they care about this larger community and the future of it. Because if we are truly solving this problem and we're bringing it down, How? What does Cleveland look like then? Like, there's already so much pride in this city. You know, we love it here. Like, people who who are lifers are all in on this stuff. But yet there's this dark shadow. And that's kind of where I'm at work all the time. And you're seeing that. So in the shadow of, like, all these wonderful things going on, there's still the guy sleeping on the sidewalk. You know, there's still the guy who's having like a total mental loss right now because he doesn't have access to adequate medication and care, you know, and that's why he can't keep a job. That's why he can't maintain a home. That's why he can't pay bills, because he he just loses it. You know, there's all these other things that, uh, that all tie together into this giant ball of yarn. You know what I mean? But I think collectively, there's more people who are savvy and care and really ready to invest in the community to see it as like the broad stroke, the whole, because these bandages are only going to cover us for so long and then the dam starts to leak again, you know. So really, this systemic overhaul needs to happen on a bigger picture level. There needs to be a lot of collaboration. I'm really proud of our collaborations with other nonprofits. So we don't we're not cannibalizing each other's resources or duplicating services in a place where we don't need it, you know, because it's really nice to have service counts if you're chasing money. But I I refuse to chase money. I I would rather invite people to the table and make a compelling case for this is what we're doing. I think that this falls into your your priorities. Do you want to join us?
0: What's what's five what's five years out look like Man, for you and, and the center?
1: You know, I I plan on being there for quite a while. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate that our executive director is just a little bit older than me, but he just hit forty and I'm 36. Um, I am I'm in my dream job. I'm like, I'm here sooner than I ever thought I would be, if at all. Um, so I I have not actually like evaluated like a five year plan because I'm I'm just loving this a year and a half in, and I don't really want to go anywhere. And I can I can live just fine. I have enough safety and security with with what I can earn there and everything to to feel comfortable doing this. And it's just so meaningful, you know, I'm waking up every day, like my drive to work is my my wheels are just spinning all day. I'm like, what am I going to do today? Who do I want to talk to? What, do, what boxes do I want to check off today? And I have a really great team. Our volunteer manager who works under my umbrella, her name's Veronica, and she is amazing. Like the way that she coordinates these volunteers, interacts with all these different personalities. My favorite thing about her is we'll get these groups that come in, especially like young college emerging Groups And it's like lunchtime and they come upstairs and she's like, hey, what are you doing? They're like, well, we're going to eat lunch. And she goes, go eat lunch with the people. Mm-hmm. That's what you're here for. They're like, oh, well, no, Mm-mm. no. inexcusable." And, and also, these people have great stories to tell, too, you know. And I mean, some I have some funny stories. I got some sad stories. I got some eye-opening stories, like I was telling you about socks earlier. And, you know, people who are are homeless and sleeping in bus stops and walking on their feet all day prefer white socks because the ink doesn't make their feet smell. You know, and the white socks are a little more padded, so you can like double them up. So you got your your own makeshift version of a Dr. Scholl's insert. Um, I've also had a woman come up to me and go, "Can I smell you? You look like you smell good." And that kind of caught me off guard, and I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." And it was like a full, (sighs) just right on the neck. I was like, (laughs) "Okay, so lesson learned." Lesson learned when, you know, just, just smell good, <laughs> yeah. smell good, smell good or don't, or just say, you know, I'm not really comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to learn about these boundary things, you know, but on the flip side of that too, then we got these like old timers who have been coming to us, you know, for years, for years and they're not homeless. They have an apartment. They got like, you know, a kind of a, live a bullish wage job but they have their benefits they got all their ducks in a row so to speak and you know they're old timers so like they're not going back into the workforce full bore but you know they'll wash dishes at night collect their social security you know they have an address to do that come to us for their meals so they're not spending money on that kind of stuff and when they do get their check they might like treat themselves and stuff but they kind of have their whole agenda laid out like i think they're very functional people you know whereas somebody who's like newly homeless is trying to navigate the system and i think that's where we're our strongest is okay you're new to this we got Staff members who know the system can connect you to if we can't do it, here's where you can go. Here's how you can get there. This is when they're open. This is who you want to talk to. You know, so this coordination amongst all of us is such a necessary thing. We work on a shoestring budget because we want to make sure that, you know, a lot of we, we I, I always tell people we're an eat what we kill agency. We have no assured sources of funding. It's all charitable contributions, grants, some government funding. Special event revenue. So I like, I, I willingly keep a very low marketing and advertising budget because I'd rather like do stuff like this and go meet people and Mm -hmm. just hit the pavement and real grass grassroots kind of approach to it. But you know, we utilize social media and email newsletters and our website a whole lot because most of that's like quote unquote free. Um and we'll do some promoted ads. We try and appeal to a lot of like parishes and organ and social justice groups to make sure that they're aware of us. But mostly it's you know, it's this organic network of I'm telling the story. I hope that it resonates enough with somebody that they want to retell that story. And then they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on until I want the whole world to know that we're here and this is what we do. Um, But for families, there's so many opportunities. You know, we have that family shelter. That's a really easy way to kind of come down and volunteer if that's something you want to do. And that's a little more flexible because you can do that on a weekend. Our biggest limitation for a lot of folks, especially if you're like working regular hours, is our hours are your hours, you know, that we're open. With the occasional, like, one off kind of things, well, we do a, f- a food pantry on the second and fourth Saturday of the month. So that's like a weekend opportunity to do it. We do have breakfast and dinner on Saturdays as well. Um, usually, those are corporate groups that kind of like, buy the rights to it for the year, which is like one of our fundraising tactics is, you know, you get the the first Saturday of each month meal for twenty five hundred bucks or five grand or whatever, whatever, like we settle on with them. Um, and it's really individualized on that. But they can't always get people to sign up. So we always we we love having like a kind of a fill in list of, hey, contact me because this is interesting to me. And if I can come, I'll certainly come. So it's like our our, you know, uh B team list in a sense. That's the wrong word because these people are incredibly they're a A team level helpers, but you know, they're on the secondary list. That's the better way to in put it. Reserves. Yeah, so our reserves. But then beyond that too, you know, this is like a little bit of a drive where we're at here down to Cleveland just to do that for like an hour. But you can, you know, get a group that you're involved with and do a drive because we always need items. We always need full size toiletry and hygiene items. Those are big to us. You know, razors, shaving cream, soap, shampoo, deodorant, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, like, like just I always tell people, like, just think about what you do and do it the same way for somebody else. When we have kids come in and they're like, we want to make sandwiches. Is this a good sandwich? I'm like, would you eat it? (laughs) that's the answer Yeah, you know make the sandwich you want to eat because that's what somebody else wants to eat you know unless you're this weird freak that likes minimal sandwiches you know but who like who wants just like a little smattering of peanut butter and a ton of jelly on a sandwich I want the peanut butter you know go light on that but like you know Donate items that you would want to receive if you found yourself in a position where you, you were in need, you know, make food and give food that you would eat, you know, not just all the crap that like sits in the back of your pantry. Like, oh, man, we got all this rice and and, you know, I I, I don't. I don't like this. I don't even know why we have it. Let's just give it to let's just give it to the shelter. Like, I don't like that attitude and approach towards. it. Maybe sometimes you go grocery shopping maybe once a month, once every other month. Mm -hmm. buy duplicate whatever you buy for your family. Right. Or work the deals, too. We have some of our volunteers are so awesome at this, too. Like, we'll get an email. Mike just saw that, you know, Walmart's having a sale on white socks. They're a, a dollar for a three pack or something like that. Can you let people know? you know, or pay less shoes is going out of of sale. I negotiated with the manager that I'll buy every pair of shoes for a dollar each. If I if he'll get I'll buy them all. And they negotiate these kinds of things, you know, Um, large size clothing is always in a great shortage for us, too. Um, We have some bigger folks. You know, people also assume that You know, if you're in need like that, you're probably not a big person. You're probably, you know, starving to death. That's not the case. You know, we got a lot of high incidence of diabetes in the populations that we serve, which causes weight gain and stuff. So, you know, even like those. Um what are those, uh, compression socks and things like that. Like just these little odds and things, aspirin, you know, hand, Oh, hand warmers are gold in the winter months, you know, winter hats, those kinds of things, seasonally appropriate clothing, particularly too, because a lot of people do like their quote unquote, spring cleaning. So you see all this like winter coats and stuff coming in April. And it's like, where were you two months ago, man, when people (laughs) are lining up for this kind of stuff. So it's just, I just encourage people to always be mindful of themselves and what you consume kind of as just a person in your daily life and what you take for granted and think about how much that would matter to somebody who didn't have that. You know, it's about hope. It's about moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes you're going to fall back four or five steps, but that's okay. So my heart goes out to people where I don't I don't ever want to be arrogant enough to say, like, I understand you. Nobody understands another human being unless they've walked a mile in their shoes. But I absorb that energy from others. You know, and even if it's somebody with some negative energy, putting it in the context of understanding them still provides a lot of hope for me on my daily basis and still energizes me because I'm like, OK, this is who I'm helping today. This is the per- this is the person in my the front of my mind. That is the reason why I'm doing this, because their day shouldn't suck like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not cool. And I think everybody has something to contribute, whether it's a special gift, a talent, your time, your stuff, your money, whatever it is. Everybody's got something to give, you know, and at different points in time in your life, you kind of figure out what you're best suited to do at that moment. Well, thank you, Mike, for all you do and the folks down at the Westside Catholic Center.
0: How do people get involved?
1: All right. So Westside Catholic Center, Center.org. We're on Facebook at Westside Catholic Center, WSC Center on Instagram and Twitter. OhioCityPizzeria.org is our website where you can look at our menu and our extensive wine list of over 100 wines. Uh, The food is great. I've been eating there like three times a week. But yeah, when you support the Ohio City Pizzeria, you're supporting our three main goals, which is to provide second chance employment to people, to create a new unique revenue stream for our center and the work that we do there, and to spread the word about the Westside Catholic Center and what we do and who we help and how you can be a part of it, too. Um, So please check us out. We have an extensive list of programs and services that I can't even begin to scratch the surface on outside of what we've kind of covered already. Um, but I encourage everybody to kind of look into what we do. And my email address is on that website. So cool. encourage anybody nice to enough. reach out for anything. Thank you. So good, Mike. Appreciate you guys. Thank awesome. you.